Well, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm lucky enough to have with me Mona Kaisam from Kota SA. Thank you for joining me, Mona. Uh, Can we start by you telling us a little bit about uh, Kota SA and what you do there? Hey, Lisa. I thought before we got there, I would very quickly dedicate this podcast to Rosie. My sister has a dog. Um, given to her by my brother-in-law and the dog was run over and Rosie was a a little Kelpie. So there's a lot of, I just found out yesterday, so there's a lot of sorrow around losing this dog and it's put me in the mind of thinking about LGBTI people when they go into aged care or even receive home care services because you're less likely to have kids of your own, you're less likely to be connected with your own family and you, if you lose a partner, particularly a partner of, you know, long standing, there's there's a particular sense of aloneness, I think. So if you can imagine losing, a, you know, a dog that you've had for two and a half years compared to a partner for many years, and then if you're ill and you're worried or scared and you're going into aged care or taking home care services, uh, it's another ball game altogether. It's more tricky, I think, for people from LGBTI communities than for uh, other people. So, COTA. Um, COTA is the peak body on ageing in Australia. And COTA, I think, is a really wonderful uh, organisation because it's, it offers such a variety of things, from advocacy to research to things like Silver Rainbow Training, uh, the plug-in, uh, Strength for Life. It covers uh, a lot of areas that are of benefit to Australians as we age. And how mm. does that differ from places like ARIS, which is the Aged Care Rights Advocacy yeah, yeah, Service? Yeah, yeah. ARIS has got a, a much more particular focus, I think, on advocacy and rights, where COTA does that as well, but not as strongly as ARIS. It's, it's not our uh, peak focus. So um, our focus tends to be more on uh, providing information uh, for the community, for the Australian community, as they age, rather than uh, specifically or solely advocacy. So what else do Cota SA provide? You mentioned the um, silver rainbow training mm-hmm. in your introduction. Mm-hmm. Can you tell mm-hmm. us some more about that? I can. So silver rainbow training is provided nationwide and it's directed at people um, LGBTI plus 50 and over, or more specifically people working in home care and aged care who would have contact with people from LGBTI plus communities. And the the basic goal, I think, of the training is to to help it's it's twofold actually. It's to help staff understand that equality doesn't really cut it because giving everybody the same is not the same as giving everybody what they need. And if you come from an LGBTI plus community, your your needs may well be different. We've already talked about, you know, maybe not having connection with your own family, maybe not having your own children, being possibly isolated from community. Not everybody, but I mean, it happens. So it's, it's helping staff understand what people from these communities may be bringing in with them when they approach 
home care for services, when they when they're looking for service providers, when they're going to aged care, there can be a history of trauma, there can be a history of discrimination, um, there can be a history of fear of dealing with you know medical services or or services in general because people you know I mean homosexuality was illegal not that long ago in this country you know people people have trauma you know um, so it's the training is on the level on that level to help staff give the best care they can the most inclusive and respectful care as you would expect for anybody um, but it's also for the organization to understand what are the organization's values around this and and what is their stance to the anti-discrimination laws and the quality standard stuff and how do they how do they signal to the community that they are lgbti plus friendly and respectful and inclusive, you know, it shouldn't be any different than coming from, you know, regular society, I guess, or culturally and linguistically diverse communities or First Nation communities. We're just part of the community and everybody just wants to feel safe, you know, whether it's home care or aged care. So this is the sort of, these are the goals, I think, of the training in a nutshell. Yeah, and have you found... Any specific outcomes from running your training? We've had staff um, move to tears because they understand that although there's this feeling in society, okay, you've got um, same-sex marriage and you know everything is okay now. Actually, actually, everything is not okay. And in the training, you know, people start to think about uh, people they've dealt with professionally. Uh, in a work environment, they think about people in their family, they think about young people that are maybe transitioning. So it it moves people a lot because it humanises the whole situation. So there's there's that as an outcome. Um, the outcome, another outcome that's maybe more measurable is that services become more inclusive and staff become more adept at... Um, walking alongside LGBTI people, they're, they're not so anxious about um, pronouns. They're not so anxious, you know, about um, some disconnect between somebody that's maybe um, trans and, you know, looks male but has a female name. They kind of, they, they manage that stuff much better because of the training. So they're just equally professional and equally kind and respectful to everybody. And, and that's, that's of course you know the goal of the training yeah i know i have done the training mm-hmm. and what i found was really interesting and helped people to actually understand the purpose of the training was that they asked everybody to think about a situation where they maybe had dis- been discriminated against because that's the only way the people can understand how it works when you have discrimination and it's inbuilt inside you because most people don't even know that they're being discriminatory. Absolutely. I, I think that it's really important to say that, um, you know, whether it's transphobia or whether it's homophobia, whether it's racism, whatever it is, people don't, it doesn't always come from a place of, you know, maliciousness. People don't necessarily have bad intentions. They can be uncertain about the language. They can be unsure. They can be inexperienced. They can be a bit uh, frightened or nervous. They can have a background that tells them that anything LGBTI+, plus, you know, is intrinsically wrong. So it's about 
taking the participants where you find them. It's, you know, it's based on the principles of adult education. And you look at the value base and you look at people's experience and then you do that, those kinds of exercises that you're talking about, Lisa, where you bring it home and say, well, I've been in a situation like this. How has it felt? Oh, that's how it feels for these people all the time, you know. So it's, it's about being humanistic in your approach. As you mentioned, equality over equity is a really big topic and very difficult for people to understand. So one of the questions are, you know, is how do you treat people? The answer being, I treat everyone the same. And trying to get across that treating everyone the same doesn't mean that you're being equal to everybody. Mm. And an example might be, so if you come in, for instance, and uh, say you're trans, for example, you might be still um, coming across as quite male or masculine, but you've got a designated female name. For some staff, this is discombobulating. It's quite difficult for them. But if we're talking about equity, it means that everybody gets what they need. And I could imagine that if I were trans, you know, and my name was, I don't know, Jodie, I want to be called Jodie. I don't necessarily want to be called the name, you know, in the paperwork, if I haven't done the paperwork to transition, you know, the paperwork to uh, my new name, not my dead name. So I want to be called Jodie and I want it to be accepted that I'm transitioning or I'm trans, I'm, I'm a female now. And it's, it's that stuff. You can't treat everybody the same because we're not the same. We have different needs, you know, and it can be medical needs. If you're, for example, intersex and you've got a regime of, regime of hormones that need to maintain your whole life, it's not up to a doctor in a new facility to, to just, you know, say, no, 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 that's nonsense. You don't need this or, you know, um, that makes no sense because sometimes that happens. It actually happens and it happens through lack of knowledge and sometimes it happens through... Um, lack of respect. So people come into facilities or they accept home care services with different needs. If you talk about home care services, actually, if you, you're having people come into your home and you're in a same-sex relationship, your home is your safe space. That's your home. You know, you don't want to put aside photos of you and your male partner or you and your female partner. You don't want to put aside, you know, intimate stuff. You don't want to create an environment where your carer is, you know, not confronted with your life, if confronted is the right word. You want to feel safe. You want to feel a level of acceptance because this is your home. You know, you don't want to be judged in your own home. And in terms of aged care, I mean, the saddest thing is that some people go back into the closet because they're frightened of the attitudes of staff or fellow residents. And so after, you know, a lifetime of living authentically, um, they don't feel safe to do it. And I, I was talking to somebody the other day and heard this story about this man who was in the early stages of dementia and he'd been in a relationship for 30 years with another man who was the love of his life. And um, because of the dementia, he could see the photo and he could see that one of the people was himself, but he didn't recognise the other man. So then it's about how, how do you manage that, you know? So staff would come in and say, oh, yeah. Instead of saying, you know, who's that? Is it your brother or something? They would say, that's Fred. That's your partner. You know, that's your partner, Fred, which has a lot more warmth and dignity than, you know, everybody is the same. And, you know, what, what are these photos and what kind of life are we talking about? You know, people don't want to be judged in their own home. For somebody to come in 
and be respectful enough to say, that's your partner, Fred. Mm -hmm. It has to be in their mind. There are a lot of people that say, well, we treat everyone the same. And I would ask anybody who was standing there, is that your brother? Mm -hmm. So to them, that's being the same with everyone. How do you deal with that in your silver rainbow training that brings people to another level of understanding? We deal with it through integrating the knowledge that comes, that is presented in the training so that people bring it home to their own life. And one of the ways we do that is by the decades of discrimination. So people have a sense of, okay, I'm actually quite privileged because I belong in the mainstream. I haven't been discriminated against because I've walked hand in hand, you know, down the street with my same sex partner, all of that stuff, just to make people begin to think about, What has this life experience been? What has this person's life experience been? When they come to us, what anxiety, um, what concerns might this person have, legitimate concerns about being in a situation where somebody might come in and automatically say, is it your brother, you know? So partly it's, it's to get people to think in a broader way. And, I mean, we are in 2024 But it's also there are other things like it's an acceptance within the organisation that LGBTI is legitimate. It's a legitimate way to be, you know, 11% of the population. We're talking 70,000 people in South Australia, over 50 LGBTI. You know, when when organisations do profiles, whether they're paper profiles or a little poster, whether they do a video of residents or, or people in home care, it's to have that stuff. That's per, part of the person's, you know, background. It's not just your age and, you know, when where you were born and like whatever. It's, you know, is it a same-sex relationship? We do a bit of harm when we assume that everybody is heterosexual and we say, you know, is that your brother? It may not be. It may be the partner, you know. So it's just to open up people's thinking to move away from heteronormative stuff as a matter of course, there's a lot of research that's coming through now to say that people say 30 and under, is that Gen X? What, what Gen is that? I don't know, yeah. But yet younger people, of course, have got, um, talk more openly about this stuff and there's more, you know, gender fluidity and particularly when, when young women are being um, surveyed, up to 24% say that they identify as LGBTI+. So as this generation comes through, I mean, aged care and home care services need to be more, um, broad-minded isn't the right word, they need to be more educated so that it's not an automatic assumption that that guy in the photo is your brother because we're talking about a quarter of the population and possibly more. So that's a very roundabout answer to the question, but does that answer the question? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, all right. Lots of the services that are offered by COTA are offered by other services as well. So what differentiates COTA from the rest? So I think what differentiates COTA from other organisations is it's the overarching view that they have. It's the bird's eye view. It's the fact that it is independent um, and it is connecting people to information about services, connecting people to services, offering um, input on policy for the government. So it's this sort of bigger picture stuff and, and it's based on being independent. Yeah, Because lots of agencies call themselves the pig body. Mm-hmm. It's like the buzzword, isn't mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. We are the peak body. 
I don't really know what that means. Mm. Okay, so can you nominate yourself as the peak body? I suppose you can. But in this case, what it means is that it's a national organisation um, and it is independent um, and it has a considerable input in terms of policy. So in that way, I think that it's quite legitimate to call it a peak body. What else are COTA doing in the LGBTI space? We had an organisation called the Rainbow Hub, which is renamed to Rainbow Rights. And they're doing really splendid work. And I, I won't speak much about it because it's... Um, it's sort of at, at an early stage and I'm not the person to, to speak about it, but it's very much about looking at uh, rights, uh, LGBTI rights. It's looking at um, where that sits, you know, human rights slash diversity, you know, within what we expect the new act to look like. Um, there's other work being done with uh, the Rainbow Dog, which is, Looking at um, the situation that LGBTI plus people would find themselves in, very likely um, in the case of sudden ill health or losing a partner. So it's looking at how do you manage in terms of your own mental health when you come to a stage in life that's that's really jolting, like losing a partner or like becoming critically ill. What are the supports and, and um, what is needed and are you getting what you, you need and are you plugged into resources and communities? So there's a long way to go on that work, but it looks really promising. The Rainbow Dog, I think, is a fantastic project. And then we have our collaborative project uh, with the Murray Mallee Collaborative yep. Project and that's – do you want to talk about that? Do you want to introduce um, it? No, I think yeah. you should do it. I should. Yeah, okay, I'm just so, the host. <laughs> but it's literally collaborative between it is. your we outfit and my outfit. We are working together. Yeah, yeah. So we wanted to look. Um, we had a lot of scope in this, uh, didn't we, Lisa? And yeah. what we came to was that we wanted to look at the issue of cultural safety. And, of course, that's important for everybody. But like we've outlined today, there are particular needs if you happen to come from an LGBTI plus community. Um, we've touched on it a bit. If you're getting um, home care services, you need to feel safe in your home. You don't need to go back in the closet. You don't want to be judged. You want to know that the organisation will treat you with equal respect. You want to know that the staff has had some, uh, you know, rainbow, silver rainbow training. So we decided that we would maybe produce a leaflet. Mm, mm thinking about how can people ensure their mental and physical safety mm. by having a set of questions they could ask themselves before they interact mm. with any aged care service. Mm. Mm. That's right. So it's, um, it's a list of things to think about when you're considering how to choose a provider. And it's everything from do they have LGBTI plus representation on their board? Do they have uh, inclusion and diversity policies? Are they implemented? Um, if there are any issues, is there a pathway to, to manage or resolve this conflict? Um, do you have, you know, the right to maybe uh, request somebody who is LGBTI as a, a carer or a service provider? Um, basically, will you be safe? culturally safe in your own home yes and there were a few other questions sort of mm. even more basic questions mm. that 
will tell um to ask yourself like do i want to reveal my personal details to a provider mm-hmm. and if i do what does that mean and if i don't what does that mean so mm-hmm. before you even think about okay what provider do i want think for you it's about thinking for yourself about how you want to um put yourself forward what do you want to share and what do you want to be private and mm-hmm. how can you navigate with that in mind correct and what do you need to share i mean you Many times people don't want to declare their LGBTI plus status um, and they don't want to declare, possibly don't want to declare uh, HIV or AIDS status um, because they, you know, they're frightened of being judged. But sometimes there are things that you need to declare and you only declare that stuff when you feel that it's safe to do so. So if you're in a situation where it feels culturally not safe to tick the form and say LGBTI or you know, HIV or whatever, this, this you know, can impact the, the service that you're getting or the care that you're getting because you haven't felt that you can declare that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about being judged, it's about getting the right treatment, support, medical support. Or even personal care. In the Commonwealth Home Support Programme, there can be one-to-one personal care and if you're an LGBTI member of the community and you don't want to reveal that how will that impact the kind of personal care you have like Mm. assistance with washing Mm. or bathing Mm. they are the they are the really serious things to think about absolutely they're serious in terms of a person's sense of themselves and their 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 you know sense of good mental health so if you are, you know, lesbian or gay, for example, you, you probably, you know, it's, it's hard to generalise, but you probably don't want somebody of the opposite sex taking care of your personal needs, you know, the washing and the private, the more intimate stuff. And if you think about um, a trans person, I mean, having to explain to somebody, because, you know, one, one gets different carers, one gets, you know, different people coming through your home. Um, each time to have to explain, well, you know, I might present like this, but these are the body parts that you might see. You know, you're constantly having to educate people and to deal with people's reactions. And I think that that gets really tired really fast. Mm. And it's a whole lifetime, I think, um, not just trans, LGBTI+. It's a whole lifetime of having to negotiate other people's feelings and, and manage other people because maybe they, you know, have issues with what you are, you know, what you fundamentally are. Mm. So when you're talking about people coming into the home, it's it's pretty critical, you know. There's some stuff that needs to be managed in a safe, culturally safe and respectful way. Because you want to feel that you're no no different from the, the next person. You want to be treated, you know, in a way that is respectful. And if it's it's a little bit easier maybe in aged care because you can see um, signs that the organisation is going to you know treat you as well um, as anybody that's not LGBTI plus. You can see that the way they signal to the community. You know, there might be rainbow flags, or they might celebrate. You know, uh, Pride Week or, or something like that. But when you've got people coming into your home, it, it's a bit more delicate, isn't it? Mm. You know, that's your home. For you know, goodness sakes, you need to feel that you're not being judged and that you're safe there. Absolutely. Mm. So, if people want to. Contact Cota SA mm. for information, mm. and I said Cota SA because that is the 
name of the branch, although CODA is a national organization. Correct, correct, yeah. Uh, how do they go about contacting you? We've got a website, of course, um, and there's lots of information on the website with all the relevant numbers. So that's probably the easiest point of contact. We've got um, great people on the phones at Cota. So you ring through, you'll get directed to the right person. The number is 82320422. So that's 82320422. And that will take you through to Cota SA and then you'll get directed to the, the right place. Now, what if you wanted to do the rainbow training? Then you contact uh, Cota SA in general or more specifically my, my good self um, as the team leader. And I would be delighted to talk you through it and see what your needs are. Would that be if you're an individual who wants to do the training or if you're a mm. provider who wants to provide mm. training for the team? Both, Lisa. So generally the work is with providers and, and they have a number of people that they want to train up. That's that's clear. But what we're getting increasingly is individuals that for some reason uh, want to pay themselves or um, their provider doesn't cover it or they, they feel very strongly that they want the training. Um, equally, it can be organisations that we've already worked with, but they may have a couple of people that have joined more recently or they may have a couple of people that were sick when the training was done. So we've started offering what we call open sessions and they're, that is training for up to 10 people from different organisations, which is also an interesting dynamic to speak with people who are not necessarily in your organisation about this this training. And it's the speaking and the thinking, the integrating of the knowledge that makes your practice stronger and more educated. Um, so that we, so we offer the training to uh, organisations and to individuals through the open sessions. Just wanted to read a couple of little things very mm -hmm. quickly. Um, this is from David, who's 65 years old. And he says, I want to be around people who fully understand me without judging me, says David, a 65-year-old gay man. I've worked my whole life to break down barriers, but I don't have the energy to fight anymore. Yeah? And people shouldn't have to fight for care. You know, LGBTI people are a diverse group. I'm not saying they're more important. They're as important as anyone else. Um, inclusive practice is not about your personal beliefs or your personal values. It's about the organisation. It's about what you need to do. Uh, it's about workplace behaviour. And it's about your organisation's everyday procedures. And inclusive practice demands respecting the identities, the bodies, the relationships and experiences of LGBTI elders and providing a safe, welcoming and supporting service. Thank you very much, Mona, for giving me your time today. Thank you, Lisa.